the greatest reward to a pastor is not that you sit here and listen to me and say amen or clap your hands in response. Oh, that, that's generous and that's nice, but the greatest reward would be when you walk out the doors today, you live it. Come on now. That you live it. Don't talk it if you're not going to walk it. Don't act like you're a Christian and then outside of the church you act like the devil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's the life that is lived in front of people that becomes the example. And Brother Wilson talked about that today. And I think that it's very important that we understand that if we're going to talk about God, then we need to live a godly life. Am I on, Brother Bartlett? Am I, am I accurate? Amen. So our text is drawn from 2 Samuel, the 18th chapter and 33rd verse. And the Bible says, And the king was much moved. This is talking about David. And king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate, and he wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. I want to talk to you for a little while on this subject. Would God I had died for thee? Would God I had died for thee? Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that we can come into your presence and feel your anointing. I hope that none of us take that for granted, but God, that we will see it as a great reward that will usher us not only in the courtyard and not only in the holy place, but that, Lord, we will come into the holiest of holies and dine with you personally. That is so much more deeper than just the message that is being preached, but it's the actions that bring us into that place. God, do your work. Do it like only you can do. Convict every heart in this house. Not just the visitors and not just those that don't know you, but God, convict every saint of God that will come back and reevaluate our lives and recognize that without you we are nothing. In your precious name we pray. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. This was a sad commentary of a life of a boy that never became a man. David was king over God's people, and Absalom was his son. So again I say, all the promises that the king had would have been given to his son, handed down through the next generation, and Absalom would then be a prince, an heir to the throne. But here we are. It's a sad commentary of a life of a boy that never become a man. He was misguided. He was coddled. He was spoiled. 
And he lived his life controlled by his flesh and his desires rather than living for what God intended for him to become. Oh, Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Well, we wouldn't understand this text unless we were to go back. And here's where it all started. In 2 Samuel, the 14th chapter and the 25th verse, talking about Absalom, it says, But in all Israel there was none to be so praised as Absalom. There was none to be so praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the soles of his feet, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. The reference to this, no blemish in him, had to do with his appearance. But his heart was a wreck. He looked good. Something was wrong on the inside. Beware that you only look at the cover of the book. But you never read the story. Because we can look like it. But the reality is. Just because you look the part. Doesn't mean. That you have the right to the throne. And it's interesting to me that it simply says, but in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom. Beware that you don't live off the praises of people and neglect your praise to God. Oh, I got to preach on that a while. Because some of you come to church only to praise because everybody else is praising But what we should do is come for the praises given to him rather than solicit the praises from people. I appreciate Father's Day and I thank you, Brother Wilson, for what you said. And, and I am honored and humbled at the love this church has for me. But I want you to understand very clearly today that I am not qualified by your praises. I've not been called by you. I've been called by a God that says I want you, Rob Bibb, to walk in the statutes of my commandments. Therefore, I can stand here with the authority and the power of God on my life and recognize that it is not people that praise me that make me what I am, but it's the approval of God. I'll tell you, I don't need your songs to dance, and I don't need your praise to love Him. I've got this in my spirit because I know that my praise doesn't belong to you and your praise doesn't belong to me, but my praise belongs to the one and only. Hear, O oh Lord our God, I will lift up your name, for you inhabit the praise.
praises of your people. Oh, I wish I could get somebody here to understand right now that I am not going to just dance to be making noise and, and making a show or creating a show. I am here today to lift up my voice to give praise to a God that deserves my praise. We ought to just take a praise break right now. And somebody stand to your feet and praise the Lord for a little while. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. He deserves the adoration and the praises of his people. He inhabits, he lives, he dwells in your praise. Amen. No blemish in his appearance, but his heart was a wreck. Beware that you don't live off the praises of the people, and in turn you neglect your praise to God. Absalom was told by so many people how beautiful he was until he became self-absorbed. He stood before those who always agreed with him. They told him he was right when he was wrong. They coddled him. Oh, you're the king's son. They protected his view even when they were contradicted to the king and to God's word. They would tell him you would be a great king. And in turn, nobody could correct him. It's sad when people don't want to hear preaching anymore. They're offended by truth. And I am greatly concerned of this. Because I remember when I was growing up, we'd hear people say things like, preach it to me, pastor. I want what's real. I want you to give me the truth. And it's a shame where pastors are always having to skirt the truth because they're afraid of the people. But yet, the reason they skirt that truth is because they're waiting for the praises of the people rather than the approval of God. And so he was intoxicated with his own desires and his own flesh. He listened to the praises of the people. And he then, being intoxicated, was motivated uh, motivated to steal his father's kingdom. He stood before the palace and he began to proselyte the people and say, oh, hey, my dad's messing up. He don't know what it is to be a king. Look at me. Look how beautiful I am. Man, I look the part. I'm the beauty of the part. I, I, I look more like a king than my dad looks like a king. He's getting older now. He's probably in his mid-40s uh, now, and he, 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 he's, he's old. He's an old man. Be careful. My son used to tell me when I was in my 40s and 50s, and now I'm getting ready to be in my 60s, and it don't change that I have what is called old man strength. You want to whoop your dad? Okay, come on, son. Let me show you what a six-year-old man can do. 
I'm not 60 yet, but he was intoxicated. He thought he could do better with the kingdom than his father could. But there's one problem, Absalom. You wasn't anointed to sit in the seat of the king. You're listening to the people, but you're missing the voice of God. Ah, oh, I got to talk about it because he became a liar. Absalom did. He became a cheater. He was a stealer of his father's kingdom. He proselyted people. He brought division among Israel. Yet in all that he did, his father still loved him. Oh, you got to hear me today. No matter what you have done, your father still loves you. You've never gone too far. You've never gone too deep. You've never gone to the side so far that he cannot reach. I'm telling you, God is able to touch your life today. Don't think that it has to be next week or next month or until you get your life fixed first. You can't fix your life without God. I said you cannot fix your life without God. Quit waiting on the praises of people. Quit looking for them to fix it when only God can fix it. Quit looking for them to anoint you when only God can anoint you. Quit looking for people to put you in position when only God can put you in a position. Amen. Don't make yourself a self-made man or woman. Put your life in the hands of a God that will make you into the thing that he has called you to become. I want you to understand God still loves you. Your father still loves you. Mm. Can I preach a little while? Jesus still loves you. I'm going to tell you, I know Rob. There have been times in my life when I've struggled with who I am. There have been times in my life where I've even asked this question. How could you love me? But I thought about this. I didn't understand how God could love me even when I make mistakes. I struggled with this until I had children. Now that I have children, would God, I would die for them. I understand something that goes well beyond just their mistakes. I understand something about them that goes beyond their shortcomings. I understand something more. It takes me to a place where I understand how God can look down at Rob Bibb and say, Rob, even when you make your mistakes and you fall short, I still love you. And you may not struggle with this, but I sure do. Every day I wake up, I thank God that he still loves me. And that he doesn't forsake me. And he doesn't walk away from me. And that he doesn't just love me on the days I do good. But he loves me every single day. And when I'm down in the ditch, he picks me back up. When my mind is confused, he puts the pieces back together. When I don't understand, he gives me revelation. To an understanding I could not understand without his revelation. He still loves me. And as I've said, it's, it's a sad commentary of a boy that never became a man. We have men 
all around our world, women all around our world that are standing in pulpits proselyting people away from the truth just as Absalom was proselyting the people from King David. Proselyting people from the truth. I don't know what man of God has the right to stand before God's people and proselyte them away from truth and saying things like doctrine doesn't no longer matter and that the oneness of God is not important and, and there is really no plan of salvation other than accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and then that there's no commitment to it. I don't understand that. That's the spirit of Absalom in our world today that is looking for people's approval rather than to preach the word of God without compromise. Oh, I wish you could understand your pastor's heart right now. I feel the Holy Ghost coming on me, and I hope you understand that when I stand behind this pulpit, I am obligated to him and him only. That's why I got to preach it. I got to preach it. I got to preach it. And I'm so demonstrative, and I'm passionate about it because I want people to get the truth, not just for you to understand the philosophy of men's wisdom. That you understand the truth of God. I don't want to be an Absalom stealing people away from the truth so they're attracted to me more than they are attracted to truth. Men standing in pulpits, stealing what belongs to the king, stealing this beautiful gospel and turning it into false doctrine. Yet, even with all of that, he still loves them. Absalom was beautiful. He was the epitome of what a king would look like. He waged war against his father because he was going to steal the kingdom away from his father. Think about it. What did the devil try to do? He tried to steal the kingdom and God's glory away from him. But I want Absalom to know you're not going to win. No government is going to change it. No philosopher is going to change it. No theory is going to twist it. Oh, I wish you could hear me now. Devil, you need to hear the voice of this preacher right now. And devil, you need to hear the amens of the people right now. That we come into agreement to declare that the truth, you shall know it and the truth shall make you free. Amen. It's not what we designed and it's not what we desire. But it is the truth of God's word. Just because you're the most beautiful angel in heaven doesn't qualify you to be God. Absent just because you're the most beautiful man in the kingdom doesn't qualify you to sit on the throne. So he wages war against his father. Joab, a captain of the host, of the armies of David were in pursuit of Absalom. Absalom sitting up there on this beautiful white, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here, 
He's on his white, beautiful horse. That stallion is just as beautiful as he is. He's riding it. His hair is blowing in the wind. But today, he wasn't into himself. He was just fearful. I got to get out of here. The armies of Israel are after me. And he's running, keeping that hair out of his eyes. And he's oh, galloping, and he, he's going, and he's going. And he's, he's, he even looks good when he's afraid. And he's running. All of a sudden, he thinks, so I can go into the thicket. And while he goes through the bushes, he's, he's maneuvering that horse all around. And man, you can see he, he is talented. He, 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 is, he is a master at working that horse around. But he didn't navigate quite well enough because the tree that was hanging over caught a hold of his hair. Whew, ripped him off that horse. He's swinging back and forth by the hair of his head hanging there. Joab comes upon Absalom and he sees him hanging in the tree. He looks at Absalom. And I can see Absolutely saying, hey, 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 hey. Listen, maybe you and I can work a deal. I'm going to tell you something. Listen, be very careful. You don't work a deal with the devil. Amen. I don't care how close he is to God. Amen. And I can see. As Joab pulls some darts out of his waistband, and he takes those darts, and here is Absalom still swinging from falling off that horse. His hair is caught in the thicket. And I can only imagine Absalom starts thinking back to his childhood. Man, I once had a promise. It's too late now, Absalom. I could have been the king. It's too late now, Absalom. Hanging by his beauty, he should have thought about that what God wanted, and that before that moment. He's now hanging by his own vanity. He'd been coddled. He'd been listening to the, the praises of the people rather than giving himself to God. And now I can see him as he's thinking back. He's thinking about it number, back at the scriptures in Numbers 32, 23, where it says, but if ye will not do so. In other words, if you don't want to keep the commands of God, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure, Absalom, your sin will surely find you out. Hmm. Y'all still with me? Absalom was self-seeking. 
And that's why it says in Proverbs 25, 27, it is not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory, Solomon said. Self-seeking. He's full of himself. How about the scripture that talks about in Lamentations 3.16 that you will be broken when you don't, uh, when you don't uh, uh, yield to the will of God. You will be broken. Lamentations 3.16 it says, He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. Absalom, you put your teeth on God's glory. Therefore, God's going to pull out your teeth. You bad-mouthed the kingdom. You spoke evil against your father. Absalom, you should have allowed your teeth to be broken into repentance, but you didn't. Absalom, I gave you an opportunity. Absalom, I gave you even a church service on a Sunday morning on Father's Day. Absalom, Absalom, Absalom. I gave you this opportunity. So while he's swinging by his vanity and by his hair and by his beauty, he then draws his last breath and he's in his mind perhaps thinking, I wish I would have done this differently. David didn't know about the death of his son at this time. And I, I want you to get what I'm saying. Joab was getting ready to send a messenger to the king to tell David that his son was dead. And in 2 Samuel 18, 19, look at this. Then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zodak. Zodok, let me now run and bear the king's tidings, how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemy. Let me go tell what Himaz was saying. Let me go tell the king what has happened. Joab said, no, Himaz, maybe another day, maybe another day. 21st verse says, then said Joab to Cushai. Go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed before, or bowed himself before Joab, and he ran. This leads me to believe when he said, go tell him what you have seen. This leads me to believe that Cushai witnessed what had happened to Absalom. But Ahimaaz didn't. He just wanted to run for no reason. The second verse. Then said to him, as the son of Zodok, yet again to Joab, but howsoever, let me, please, let, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing thou that thou hast no tidings ready? You, you don't even know what you're talking about. But you, you, you want to give word? the king, but you don't even know what you're talking about. 23rd verse. But howsoever, said he, let me run. And he said unto him, okay, okay, just, just run then. And him as ran by the way of the plain. And the Bible says that he overran Cushai. He simply says, if you want to run, then run. But you're running for nothing. I just said something right there. You're running for nothing. If you don't have tidings, why are you here? 
Why do you want to be here unless you're being, being given tidings? What, what is the purpose? You didn't witness this. Amaz, you, you didn't see it. So how can you tell someone else about what you don't even know yourself? Just because you have the talent to run doesn't qualify you for the position. Ah, I got to talk about that for a while. Because I had so many people come to me and say, Pastor, I have a lot to offer this church. Okay? Get down to the altar. Offer some prayer. You have a lot to offer. Then support the church. You have a lot to offer. Then you need to return your tithe. You have a lot to offer. But I got talent. If I give my talent, do I not have to give to the church? Isn't that good enough? No, the Lord says, listen, quit asking your pastor to qualify your position. You're qualified simply because you have the tidings. That's why it says, that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not, what? Charity. If I don't have the tidings... I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I'm not worth anything if I don't have it in here. I can tell what everybody else has told me, but until I have it in here, I can't tell you what the Lord has told me. Amen. I've got to get it on the inside. I wish some of you would get what I'm preaching because we have become professional Pentecostals. Now I'm preaching to the church. Yeah, we, we know when to clap and we know when to shout and we know how to dance. But I tell you, this place would be turned upside down if you'd quit doing it on the outside and get it on the inside. I tell you, you would need all of the entertainment for your dance. You would do it just simply because you have the glory of the Lord living on the inside of your life. That is having the tidings of the Lord. He says, you all speak with tongues because of talent. What does that mean? Ever been around someone? They come up to you. Come on, that guy. And I'm like, what just happened? Now, I'm not making fun, but I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people that do it in themselves so they can get the praises of the people. Oh. But what would happen if we really had a move of God and when you went up to someone, they weren't scared of your tongues, but they knew you had something real living on the inside where they're, such, they're so moved by such a thing. Hallelujah. Oh, I got to go on. How much time do I have? About another hour? All right, I'm not going to take much more time. And then 2 Samuel 18.33 says in our text, And the king was much moved when he heard about the tidings and about the death of his son. He was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate. And he threw his hands up in the air and coupled them together. And he buried his head in the palms of his hands. And he began to weep and weep. And he went thus and said, Oh, Absalom. Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Now, 
I want to make this point very clear. That when David said, would God I had died for thee, it is the portrayal of a father's love for his child. I would have died for you, Absalom. I would have taken your place, Absalom. No matter how much wrong you have committed, I still love you, Absalom. And as David was willing to die for Absalom, and the love that he had for his son, it is simply saying God would be willing to come in flesh and die for his children. That's why God said David is a man after God's own heart because David was willing to die for his child. When David said, I would God, I would God, I had died for thee. Jesus was saying, David would, but I did. David would have died for his son, but Jesus says, I did die for my children. David would have taken his child's place, but Jesus took your place. No matter how much wrong that you have committed, Jesus says, I still love you. God set the stage. Listen to me very carefully. God set the stage through the human heart of David. God set the stage through the human heart of David that he would become human. God would become human and love his children like David loved his son. That's why Jesus says in John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. You know why he said that? He said that because he was going to be a father to the fatherless. He was saying, I'm going to set the captive free. And when you realize you can't fix it, Jesus is saying, I'll fix it. I'll take your sin and I will become your Savior. I love you. I died for you that ye might live. As David would say, would God I had died for thee. Jesus said, David, you would, but I did. I died that they might have life. I want to save you. All Absalom would have to do was have a repent of heart and ask God forgiveness. And that applies still today. All you have to do is ask God for forgiveness. God, I had died for thee. Absalom, I love you. Don't you understand that all you had to do was come back to your father's house and say, Dad, I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's all. That's all you would have to do. 
I wonder today if there's anybody here that would like to come to the Father's house. I'm not talking about this church and I'm not talking about this ministry in particular, but I am talking about what God can do for you in your own personal life. That as they begin to sing, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and come down to this altar. He says, I died for you that you might have life, that you might overcome the things and the obstacles that are in your life. David would, but I did. lift your voice the Lord is speaking to you right now come on just open your heart to what the Lord is doing right now in your, in your life David would but Jesus did Yes, Lord. 